0: And we are off. Pacers basketball underway. They start the preseason in Memphis. Jarris Walker, wow. The defense, oof. A lot of questions answered. Ben Shepard, popping. Lots of stuff to talk about. And we'll get to it all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers. Your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers Podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East, I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, a game to talk about. No more guessing, no more predicting, actual stuff to talk about Pacers, Grizzlies, which all doesn't matter, Pacers lost in overtime. I was so mad it went to overtime, it was hilarious to hear the commentary about the game going to overtime and Derrick Rose talking after the game about it going to overtime. No one wanted that. It's over. Grizzlies win. The result, not important. The process, very important. We can answer a lot of questions about the Pacers. We can talk about Jerris Walker, who was awesome after a very slow start. We can talk about Ben Shepard. We can talk about the new guys. We can talk about everything because the Pacers played a game. And we're getting to all of it today here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Let's just start with the big questions in the preseason and what was answered about them in this game. Second segment, we'll talk rookies, particularly Jairus Walker, who just had a wow kind of game, after a slow start especially. And in the third segment, various scattered dots from my notes about basically every player who played and the team's defense. We gotta talk about the Pacers defense because whoo, that was awful. That was as bad as it can get. We start, to me, with the questions, right? The stuff we want to learn from this preseason in terms of rotation, starters, new guys, Young guys, all sorts of stuff that can be broken down. Before we start, caveats. One, Andrew Nemhard did not play. We found out on Saturday he had kidney stones. Oof, that is awful. Uh, they're removed now, but he is not even on the trip. He's not going to play in Memphis. He's not going to play in Houston. So that does influence the rotation a bit. Also, Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. He went to WWE Fastlane on Saturday night, rejoined the team in Memphis, uh, was there for shoot-around, but did not play in the game. Daniel Tice also did not play, which makes me think that it is potentially rest related to the World Cup because Halliburton and Tice just had a grueling tournament not very long ago. That wrapped up four weeks ago now. Um, So a little extra rest for those two. They were in street clothes. They were with the team. We'll see if they play in Houston. So rotation questions still remain for them. But we start with the first question that people wanted to know that was kind of answered already. The starting five, is it what was was expected? Well, Halliburton didn't play, so the answer is no. But in general, I think the answer is yes. TJ McConnell started at the point guard spot next to Bruce Brown, next to Benedict Matherin with a front court of Miles Turner and Obi Toppin. That is four of the five expected starters, and Halliburton's going to start. So as it stands, it looks like the starting five is what it's been projected to be all summer. I did find it really enjoyable. The first Pacers basket was Bruce Brown in transition to Obi Toppin, the new guys, getting the connection going. But what stood out about that group is Bruce Brown, to me, how he fit in with everybody and how he was able to just plug so many roles as a ball handler, as an early screener. uh, We'll talk about basically every guy who played in that group, but he was, of course, maybe I had my eyes on him more because it was his first game, but uh, he stood out to me in that group. The backup five, rotation question number two that there was a lot of intrigue about in this game. It was Isaiah Jackson. He was the first center off the bench uh, in the second quarter amongst the front court of the backup centers. He played uh, 14 minutes. They were all in competitive portions. And then Jalen Smith played about 17 minutes, but they were in non-competitive portions. And Jalen Smith had the advantage of overtime. Of course, Tice did not play. So uh, Isaiah Jackson gets the rotation minutes at the backup five. Interesting subs. Uh, It's hard to tell what this means in terms of what the Pacers are doing. We'll get to this later in other rotation stuff. But, like, there was no backup point guard for a second. And then it was Bruce Brown. And that was looking good. And Jordan War was in the rotation. We'll talk about all that in a second. Uh, okay, new guys. Did Obi Toppin look good? Very eh is my notes. <laughs> I'll get to all of them in a second, but that is my high level answer if someone asks me that question. Right away. Heck yeah. Obi Toppin scores their first bucket of the game. He hits a corner three on like their third or fourth possession. He had five points in two minutes and five seconds. He was making some plays. Pacers are up ten to four. Uh Obi Toppin. Got his butt kicked by Jaron Jackson Jr. There is no better way to put it. His defense inside of 10 feet was was terrible in this game. He could not stop JJJ at all. Pacers have struggled with this type of player for forever, of course, but it was brutal. And this isn't just limited to Obi Toppin. Miles Turner had a couple possessions guarding Jaron Jackson. That went terrible. Jaron Jackson just cooked him off the dribble or got to the rim. Some of that was... Random nonsense of switching. Some of that was bad defense from Miles Turner, but that happened to Obi Toppin a lot more often. His start was fantastic in the first two minutes. My notes about him were like, "Hey, this is great." He made, he had a leak out donkey at a three. He's connecting with Bruce Brown. What a start! And then it it all kind of got worse. He finishes three for seven, seven points, five rebounds, no other stats. So uh, the defense is going to have to be better for him. He's going to have to size up. especially against a team like that. And they play the Cavs later in the preseason, who also have two bigs. That'll be another chance to see if he's getting any better in that way because that did not look particularly uh, fantastic in this one. Uh, Bruce Brown, my question about him was, did he guard Desmond Bain? The answer was sometimes, a lot of the time, um, but not always. And also, did he look good and fit in? And to that answer, I'd say yes, yes, emphatically yes. What stood out to me about Bruce Brown is the same thing that I wrote about in the summer, which isn't fair because I'm using my own analysis to color my analysis of a game, but it's that he can do so many roles for this Pacers team, right? He starts on the wing, but he's an awesome transition guy for the team, and he gets a you know some perimeter shots going. He took three threes in this game with those groups. But then when T.J. McConnell comes out, guess what? Bruce Brown's backup point guard. He's the guy handling the ball. He had five assists. That was the second most of anyone on the team, and he only played 16 minutes. Uh, he was finding ways to get guys involved. He had fun action. We'll talk about Ben Matherin. where Ben Matherin set a back screen for him right when the possession started. Benedict Matherin setting a screen. That was interesting. And Bruce Brown handled it well. He had some nice connections with Miles, right? That kind of jack-of-all-trades style was important. And his defense was good, too, especially that off-ball stuff. Again, if you listen to the podcast where I said talked about how bruce brown can help the pacers despite being considered a pest on the ball way more of his steals come like as a roamer and as a weak side guy well he had two steals in this game he was making plays in transition he did not make his shots he went two for eight so of course people are going to say why do you think bruce brown played so well because he did everything that the pacers would need a new co-star to do co-star that's a way too strong of a term for bruce brown need their next fiddle to do next to Tyrese Halliburton, and he looked good, and again, the Halliburton didn't even play, right, so that just gives you an extra guy you can play to do well in those minutes when he's not out there, I thought that was super important, it's one game, it's one preseason game, I should have led with that, (laughs) there's caveats abound for one preseason game, after the Rockets game Tuesday, a lot of this stuff could look different, but I really liked what I saw from Bruce Brown, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, I just put that as a question to be answered in this game. Wow, we'll get to Jairus Walker in the second segment. He started 0-5 and then was maybe the best player on the court for the last... and Not even maybe. He was probably the best player on the court for the last 20-25 minutes of this game after his slow start. And Ben Shepherd was the Pacers' best scorer in the third quarter with 11 points. So their play was good. But I'll blend this in with another question, which is the rotation. The rotation. Jairus Walker not technically in the competitive portion of this game's rotation. Pacers starting 5, I said earlier. Their first sub was Buddy Heald. Uh, They brought in Isaiah Jackson as the backup five. And then they subbed out their front court and brought in Aaron Neesmith and Jordan Wara. And those were the only nine guys who played in the first half. That stunned me. Jordan Wara as the backup four instead of Jairus Walker. And Wara played okay right out of the gate. He was hitting some shots. He was making plays. He fell off significantly. His accuracy went away. He finished three for nine from the field. But that was stunning to me. Uh, and I don't think that's something the Pacers should do during the season, even though I think Wara played well last year and and earned playing time. He's not going quietly into the night. Neither is T.J. McConnell, who won't get a lot of airtime on this show just because of the questions about the Pacers. T.J. McConnell had 11 points and 8 assists and was 5 for 7 from the field. He was awesome filling in as the Pacers point guard. I was very surprised Jordan Wara was the backup for I don't think that's something the Pacers should do. When the season starts, maybe they'll mix and match. Maybe Jarris will play more in the next game, especially because he was fantastic. But that really surprised me. I didn't think Ben Shepard would be in the competitive rotation. I did think Jarris Walker would be. There's always a surprise, though. And maybe that'll be the one this year, and maybe war will earn it. He did it. It looked good with those groups. In the third quarter, he was playing with the younger groups. He did not look so good. My final question I wanted from this game, Ben Matherin, did he fit in? Did he look a little different than his... A guy kind of planted the beat of his own drum with some talent. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Seven for 13. He he was leading the team in shots when he was out there, but there were good looks. Two for five from deep. Two assists. That sells him short. He made the right extra pass several times in this game. Seven boards. He did have too many turnovers. Everyone's going to point to that, and they should. He's got to clean up the handle, but I thought he made a lot. Like He even made the pass Caitlin talked about, where when he drives and the helper comes, he's always throwing up the shot. He threw a skip pass to the corner. Yeah, I think he threw two of them. Like, a lot of stuff that you'd want to see Ben Matherin do. If you're the Pacers in Game 1, I think he did it. So, of the questions that everybody wants to get answered from the preseason, some good, some bad. The top and stuff, I think the Pacers would like to go much better. I think they would like to be able to see their whole starting five. I think... Jarvis not being in the rotation was very surprising to me, but Bruce Brown looked good, Ben Matherin fit in, and the rookies definitely stood out. And speaking of the rookies, we've got to talk about Jaris Walker, because holy moly, was that ridiculous. Starting 0-5 for and then finishing with far and away the best stat line of any player in the game, leading the whole night in scoring. How did that happen? We'll talk about that here in the second segment coming right up. Before we do that, though... Gotta talk to you guys about the Game Time app. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, and game time can help you not worry. Fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I used it to buy New York Liberty tickets, funnily enough. Finals Game 1 for the WNBA on Sunday. Great game. Aces looked amazing in the second half. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and views from your seat, Game Time's price guarantee, and it is the best. It takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can see where you're going to sit before you buy. They're all-in prices right up front, so you know you're getting no hidden fees. You can buy your ticket in seconds with two tabs, and their Game Time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less... They'll credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the code LockdownNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms will apply. But again, create an account, redeem the code LockdownNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen. The winning indie team from Sunday, the Colts. Check out Locked On Colts. They're 3 and 2. Anthony Richardson looked good until he got hurt, but they won a division game at home. Good stuff by the Colts. Jake Arthur, Zach Kicks led the latest on the Indianapolis Colts and their win over Tennessee. Let's stay here with basketball in Pacerland talking about the other rookie, Jarris Walker. Woo, woo, woo. Wow, 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 wow. You saw in Summer League. With Jarris Walker, the stat lines, right? I don't remember his exact stat line in that Wizards game, but it was like three blocks, four steals, seven rebounds, 13 points. But his shot was ugly. But like, just filling it up, doing lots of Jarris Walkery stuff, four assists, like, just everywhere. And so, though the questions are gonna be. Is Jairus Walker going to make his shots, or can he pass, or what can he do offensively? Because his defensive impact seems like it'll be there. With all the caveats that I said in the first segment, it was a preseason game. Well, dang, is he trying to answer those questions right away. He started 0 for 5, <laughs> and of course, I was like, oh boy, here we go. After Summer League, there's going to be a lot of people with some takes about Jared Walker now that he is over 5. He still was making plays in that stretch, though, like reducing him being over 5, To his start is not fair. Like his second or third touch of the game, he caught the ball in the right corner, shot fake, two dribbles on the ground, hard pass to Ben Shepard at the top of the key, and Shepard drills the three. That's a great play. That's the kind of stuff I think he's going to be really good at in his career being a forward who can do those kind of things, right? Make the play, put the ball on the ground, and it's not a liability. That's really valuable. And if you're a good passer, you understand where the open man is. That's important, right? He finished with four assists. That's great. He played a lot, but that's still great. That's what you want to see from a rookie forward is that kind of passing. But here's where Jarreds Walker's game really stood out. Like I said, he missed his first five shots, so his stat line didn't look particularly impressive at that point. And then he made five of his next six and seven of his next 10, including four threes. That's not something I expect to have him have, have him happen a lot. He took nine of them. Nine. That I also don't think will happen a lot. Um, But he was hitting him so much, he took a heat check three, and it did not go in, and he should not have done that. But, I mean, that was the kind of game he was having where he could figure out how to find the space. Guys were kind of leaving him open, but he was making them. He he started to put the ball on the floor when he was being guarded differently as a shooter, and he was making the right play all the time. And he had the defensive playmaking plays. Two steals and a block. His final stat line, 19 points, led everybody in the game. I really wanted him to get 20 just for the headlines. Nine rebounds. Highest on the Pacers, and also led everybody in the game. So he led all Pacers and Grizzlies in both points and rebounds. Four assists, like I said, two steals and a block. Four fouls. He was plus two in his 27 minutes and 22 seconds. He looked awesome. The term I'm going to use for him a lot, and I've said this on this show a few times, is defensive playmaker, right? Right. Defensive plays that keep the energy of the game going, for lack of a better term, right? Get a team into transition or blow up something in a way that that creates something for your team either right away offensively or by preventing a team from running that action again in the future. I've heard that used by draft people a lot, and I like it. And I like it a lot for Jarris Walker because of the way he defends, because of the way he's able to impact the game on that end of the floor. And you could really see it in this game. And he just happened to pair it. With wonderful shooting, which I think is really, of course, important for his long-term future. Even when he wasn't making shots. I saw a lot of people tweeting about this too or Xing or whatever, which I thought was important. He was trying to make the right place, right? Even beyond the assists that actually, like, counted as assists. Like, he was setting good screens and flying around the court and transition and just trying to do I'm-helpful rookie stuff trying to figure out the game. And that's great. I think he's going to be... I think it's going to be really hard for him like if he just goes 3 for 11 in a game, yeah, that's like going to be a negative impact game, but I think he's going to have a lot of games where he's 2 for 6 or 2 for 7 and is still a contributor because he can do all that other stuff, the passing, the defense, the movement, the energy, right? He's just he's a good energy fit for the Pacers. And I think that was very obvious in this game. I'm going to gush about him from this one, I mean, I was high on him in the draft, as if many of you who listened to him before the draft know. And the shooting is not something I think will be like this good as a rookie. He was four for nine from three. It's one game. It's a small sample. It's a preseason game. But if he can, if he's even a thirty-three percent guy in year one, like it, I'm gonna be really high on his future. He had a great first audition for the Pacers. Now I want to see it. With the rotation guys, I was really, really surprised he wasn't a part of it. I might do another segment on this tomorrow if I don't talk about it enough right now. Like, what? what is the point of the, of him not playing? They picked him eighth. And I know draft positions should not just automatically be a default you're playing for a team. I totally get that. There are lottery picks who don't play that much for their team. There are not lottery picks who don't play very much for their team Whose general manager just said two weeks ago, yeah, we're still trying to blend long-term with our current goals. They're still thinking about the long-term future. And that's smart. The pacers should be thinking about the long-term future. They won 35 games last year. Two of their start, three of their starters are 25 or under. Over half the rotation has less than four years of experience in the NBA. They should be thinking long term. But that means you gotta play your eighth overall pick you just had, to me. And I think a lot of people feel similarly. And Jordan Wara deserves minutes in some capacity. He earned them, but he might not earn them on the current Pacers, who are just kind of a deep team. And I don't know how you reconcile that. That's Rick Carlisle's tough job this year. But I think Jarris has got to play over him, or even over Neesmith, or over a center or something. If he's Especially if he's going to play like that. I think Aaron Neesmith's pretty underrated on this Pacers team. He's a great fit. But there's got to be a way to get Jairus Walker rotation minutes because they need to discover how good he can be with those guys and if he plays like that, which it was one game, but you'd like to discover more, especially post-elbow surgery. He's a guy worth playing all the time. Other rookies also played, (laughs) Ben Shepard being one of them. Um, Ben Shepard started great and then fell off tremendously as the game progressed. 15 points for Ben Shepard. He had 11 of them in the third quarter. I think he hit three of his first four threes and then missed the next six. (laughs) He finished three for 10 from deep, six for 16 from the field for 15 points. That is fine. That is fine. The shot looks good. He's able to get up 10 because he can find space and be comfortable, which is good. Uh, If you want to make three of 10 every game, that's not good. But the, the volume was good. How he got them, I thought, was particularly impressive. And he did other stuff too. He made some nice defensive plays. He had three assists. That surprised me. I don't really view him as a passer. Three rebounds as well. Um he'll have he'll have some work to do defensively. I don't want to say he played a good defensive game. I would like to say he made good defensive plays at times in this game, but of course the shooting's going to stand out and he he had the opposite of Jarris. He had like the opposite game, right? Jarris Walker is going to get a ton of hubbub because he was one of the Pacers' best players, especially in that fourth quarter in overtime. Ben Shepard's really good performance came that his first impression was was killer. He hit his first two threes right away. He was finding space in the perimeter. He had a great connection with Jarris Walker. And everybody's like, oh, Ben Shepard looks great. And then he missed a bunch of threes. But because he started so well, it was like easy to forget uh, because of his good start. Uh, I would like to see him more in the preseason. I think he'll play in every game, just given where his spot is. Around the rotation, I don't think he's going to be in the Pacers' regular season rotation, but certainly showing what he—the hope is—he can be. He moves really well. He's smart as a, like a, like from his timing and stuff like that. So good start for him. Uh, other rookies that played, Isaiah Wong did not have a good game. 0 for two, one rebound, one assist. They did well in his minutes, but I don't think that was necessarily anything he did particularly well. Um, I just—he he's got to find ways to get his kind of shots. Well, he took like a post up that I thought was very strange. For his shot profile, I didn't watch enough of him in Miami to know if he took that a lot. But I didn't see very many of those from his tape in college. So not the best game for him. Oscar Shibway did Oscar Shibway stuff. He got two rebounds in eight minutes and hit his only shot via a dunk. And I believe that's all the Pacers rookies and new guys. So fun game, fun performances. And I have a lot of notes I want to roll over about the vets and the team in general. Um, But really enjoyable stuff from the rookies, especially Jairus Walker. Really looking forward to seeing If they tweak his role, what that looks like and how he can follow that up in Houston on Tuesday. Before we talk about other important things, including Benedict Matherin's performance, Miles Turner, how did he do, and other returning players that I haven't talked about enough, plus random important notes, and of course, I can't ignore it, the defense. (laughs) Holy moly, was that bad? We got first to talk about the great people over at Jace Medical who make the Jace case, which provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. I have one myself. All it takes to get a Jace case, fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment-related questions. It's doctor-created and doctor-recommended. Don't get caught unprepared. Everybody should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. They can deliver it right to your door. That's why they offer the Jace case with those five life saving antibiotics for emergency use, like I told you about earlier, and they handle everything. So don't get caught unprepared. prepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown On your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out Locked on Grizz. Hear the other side of the road here, how they felt about the Memphis Grizzlies. Steven Adams back. No John Morant for the first time. Derek Rose looked awesome throwing back the clock there. Some other fun young players. I really like David Roddy, big body Roddy. And David Roddy I like and I'm intentionally using as a segue. You know what David Roddy did in this game? He drove to the rim a lot, really easily, (laughs) pretty much whenever he wanted when he had the ball. You know who else did that a lot? Derek Rose, pretty much whenever he wanted. David Roddy is not a guy I think of as like a hardcore driver. Four for six, nine points, little resistance. Derek Rose, a good driver, like his whole career. He's also super old. Six for eight, 13 points, easy, right? The Grizzlies had no resistance in this game. The Pacers' defense was not good <laughs> at all. Uh, so far, their five days of talking about their defense is a lot of talk. Rick Carlisle said talk is cheap. We got to do it. Well, they did not do it in this game, right? Explaining, uh, you know, all week we've been hearing about the defense. I explained it here, what they think they're going to do differently. Of course, it's going to take time. It's not going to be like, well, snap the fingers and it's fixed. But it didn't it didn't look better in this game, certainly. Uh, so, so far, more more um, more hearing about it than seeing it. And some of the things that I want to see a lot more of, Right, we I see what they're talking about, but they're more one on one based stuff. Didn't really work, right? Buddy Heald did not have a really rough defensive game, right? He really struggled with Bane, he really struggled with whatever guard he happened to have. He was one of the he got stuck on Roddy a few times, right? He did not defend well uh at all. That's gotta be better. For the pacers it just does mather had a few moments on defense that he did not look particularly good he struggled with something else the pacers have talked about doing differently and that's defending the pick and roll with two guys right make sure that they can contain that action with two players so i don't have to help as much well they might have to help more than they did because that didn't work particularly well all the time. That was part of what got the the Grizzlies into the paint so much. And part of, on the roll, or on the catch, what got Jaron Jackson the space to be able to attack Obi Toppin or attack Miles Turner in kind of easier one-on-one situations. He was getting to the rim pretty easily himself as well. Jaron Jackson Jr. finished 8 for 15. 15 shots in under 25 minutes. 18 points. He had a nice game. So defensively, the Pacers did not look very good. Uh, at all, They're going to have to do a lot better on that end of the floor. I mean, Jairus Walker made some plays defensively. I thought Turner had a really good stretch to end the half defensively, but in general made some some rough plays there. I mean, they're going to have to show more in their second preseason game because that was not a good defensive outing, especially after what they were talking about this past week. Uh, and I get it. It's a new system. It's going to take time. But also, they need to be better on defense if they want to be the team that they want to be this year. And this was not the flying start that they would want at all. Um, they did. There were some good moments. Like I thought, Matherin had some okay moments defending Desmond Bain. Bain had a fine enough game, but he was five for thirteen from the field. Right. Some of that was Bruce Brown as well. To his credit, like I said, Walker had some good moments. Isaiah Jackson is still bouncy and mobile and stuff. But they're gonna have to be better, hundred percent. And you can see the differences, which I thought was good for me <laughs> that I could tell. But also, you can see where they need to work on a lot of the things that were a little different in that game. And they're a younger, inexperienced team. They did not defend well at all, at all in their first game. We'll see how that looks in game two. Some other stuff I want to talk about because I put it uh, in my notes. (laughs) Actually, funnily enough, the first one just says, pick and roll defense was so bad. (laughs) Yes, it was. Yes, it was. The two to the ball stuff are the two guys trying to contain it stuff as they described it. They're going to have to figure it out. Okay, let's talk about Ben Matherin. He's in my notes the most of any player. Ben Matherin looked pretty good to me. He had a three pretty early in the game. He looked confident as a shooter. Nothing looked different about his shot. It Sean just was confident. Maybe working with Clay Thompson was the key there. Seven for a 13 for him from the field. It was the little stuff, though, right? And I talked about this a little earlier when I did the Ben fitting in part. But he made the writer extra pass a few times that just made you go, oh. And I talked about this, if you remember. Kalen and I talked about this, and I did it on a solo show. The second Summer League game, right? He did a lot of this. The first summer league game, he basically did none of this. And that was his first impression of the summer. But he made the extra pass. And I, I think he had five or six assists in that second summer league game. But I, he had zero in the first one because he was making just one extra pass. or just like, keep the ball moving, right? Some signs there from him that something was clicking for him with the offense. In this game, he did that a lot. He caught it on the wing. No shot there. Boop, dart to the top. That's great. That's a good play to make. Right, if it keeps the ball moving, especially if the ball's already flying around the perimeter, that's great. If he drove to the basket and help came, he dished. Right, he took some shots, but he dished. Like that's good. That's an improvement for him. I thought he made a lot of the right play, and I mentioned this in the Bruce Brown part. There were, two, two, I think, twice, maybe three times, Bruce Brown took it up when he was at the point. Right away, they get into an action where Ben Mathern was the screener. He came up from the corner and set a screen. For the ball handling Bruce Brown, that is not something we saw a lot from Ben Matherin last year. So already I saw him make plays that I thought, okay, he's fitting into what they're doing offensively. That's important, right? Because it's not that his style clashes with the Pacers. That's extreme, right? He's not this crazy ball stopper and a team that's trying to play fast and generate quick hitting looks. I mean, they do play that way, but he's not stopping the ball. But he does like to assess a little bit more, especially... As Kalen has described very well on the show, when he the play call isn't necessarily for him. He's got to read things a little bit, right? In this game, he did, did that was happening, but he was doing it quicker before the catch or whenever in a way that didn't really bog things down. I thought that was good. I thought that was an encouraging start to him being with the starting five. And if they're trying to determine if he should win that battle, right? As Rick Carlisle said, earn it versus giving it to him. Well, he started to earn it today. I think he played very well. Uh, I think he should be the starter, and I think he showed today why. So I liked a lot of stuff he did. I like his floaters. At times, I think he's going to it a little too much. That would be one criticism I have. And his pick-and-roll defense (laughs) definitely needs some work. Bruce Brown is just a perfect fit, I mean, potentially for the Pacers team. If he can cover some ball-handling duties, some important defensive duties, get open well enough from beyond the arc, drive to the basket like... Exactly the type of player I've said the Pacers needed, right? A second guy who can dribble, pass, shoot. And he might not be the best shooter. He might fall short in that particular part. But he can dribble and he can pass and he can defend, which makes up for some of the three stuff. I mean, it was one game, but you can just see the vision on how he's going to help this Pacers team. I already talked about this earlier. Tice did not dress. So we might, while Isaiah Jackson won today, as the answer for the backup center, we're going to talk about that every game. The, the questions I did in the first segment will be questions every game. Tyson not dressed, so impossible to say if he is or isn't the backup five. Um, anything else important? Uh, 78 points in the paint. <laughs> I have a few more defensive notes because I just munched these all together. 78 points in the paint. That's not the Pacers number. Excuse me. That's the Grizzlies number. I mean, I should have used that number earlier. The Pacers are just getting cooked on drives, absolutely cooked. Shifty guards and a big body wing—can you believe it? That's exactly what usually kills the Pacers. And Derek Rose, Derek, or Derek Roddy, David Roddy, and Jaron Jackson fit those bills. Uh, they're going to need to be better on defense. Last two, last note here. I, I said I wouldn't talk about these guys too much. Look, there's competition. So anytime anything noteworthy happens with guys firmly in competition, they've got to be discussed. Jordan Warren, TJ McConnell, in the first half especially, will not be forgotten in these discussions, right? I mean, who knows what McConnell's role will look like when Emhart's back? Who knows if War is actually in the rotation spots or not? He looked okay at his at the start of his performance, but his finish was not particularly strong. McConnell was awesome all night. He got to the automatic eight footer that he's so good at. He hit a three. He also completely broke another three, but he hit the other one. One for two is fine. Uh, eight assists. Like he just totally controlled the game as a passer. He was doing stuff in transition. Like he he is gonna do well enough in these games that one he has to he's earned. I mean he's already earned himself into these discussions of should he play or should he not. But he's gonna play well enough that. If the Pacers have a slump midseason, there's going to be, probably for me even, the discussion of like, well, can they get McConnell on the floor? Is there an adjustment they can make to get him in there? Because he just puts pressure on the rim. And maybe Bruce Brown does enough that they don't need it as much. But he just puts pressure on the rim that no one else does on this team. And that's valuable. And you saw that again in this game, especially because he can just pull out and make the shot when he needs to. I thought he was solid. And eight assists, five for seven from the field, you can just never shrug off any of that warro the shooting was good the defense has to be better i mean that's been the story of his whole career i know i keep saying this for a guy who went three for nine and one for six from deep but he started well and with the rotation he did well he's in the second half that all completely went away so notes and comments from game one check rockets on tuesday those questions will be remaining and answered we'll talk about the game that's how this is going to go in the preseason as we learn about this pacers team and we'll preview that game tomorrow as well as talk about some other key topics from this game to see can they be extrapolated out even further? Or should they be something discussed as the season progresses? You know we'll have it all here at the Locked Pacers podcast. And then later in the week, we'll, of course, recap that Rockets game, talk about some veteran questions, and look ahead towards the regular season even more. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Hope you had a fun weekend filled with fun and football and family and safety and awesomeness. I did a lot around the house. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see podcast setup almost done. Just got to hang some stuff on the wall. Uh, But got the dressers in, got the decor on there. We're rolling. It is time for the season for everybody. Thank you all a ton for listening today. Have a fantastic rest of your Monday. We'll see you soon.